It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The Olympic Winter Games wrapped up in Beijing without major COVID incident and Canada wound up with a respectable 26 medals. Despite some judging controversy and questions over whether we might wind up with a bronze and figure skating down the line, Canadian officials feel we fared rather well. I'm Dave Breckenridge and this is 10-3. Post-media national sports writer Dan Barnes joins me to discuss our surprise medalists, where we fared worse than expected, and where the Canadian Olympic Committee needs to focus in advance of Italy in four years. Don't forget you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, we're even on Amazon Music now. I'd love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So Dan, I do want to talk about how Canada performed at these Olympics, the outlook for future Winter Olympics. But first, I I wanted to get your impression of how the Games in Beijing went. Obviously, there was a lot of controversy around the awarding of the Games to the Chinese state, and there was a lot of controversy around countries issuing diplomatic boycotts of the games in protest of China's human rights record. As someone who was on the ground in Beijing, what was the games like for you as a journalist in terms of coverage, in terms of dealing with the closed system to prevent COVID? How did you feel these games went? Well, I think they were probably only possible in a country like China where there are no unions, there are no basic rights of freedom because this was the worst Olympics in terms of just feeling like you were getting any sense of the country you were in. I I could have been in Leduc for all I know. It's just only the food was probably worse. You know, Leduc's probably got better restaurants than we were able to access. It was the strangest Olympics because you were separated from China by panes of glass or fences or cordons. It was just like You were there, but you weren't there. You could have been anywhere. So we did not get a sense of what Beijing was like. We didn't get a sense of what most of the city thought about the Olympics because we literally went from our hotel room into a bus that was inside a uh, fenced-off part of the hotel. They opened the fence, let the bus out, and then they would let us back in. So we went from hotel to venue and everywhere by bus. You couldn't walk between venues, even if it was like humanly possible, they wouldn't let you because they had to keep you inside the closed loop. So we got a, I don't know, a very, very small slice of a city that is probably a great city to be in. And I know that people who covered the 2008 Summer Olympics had a better sense of what this was like and and how it was resonating with the people of Beijing. I have no clue just because we weren't allowed to have a clue. Sounds like a 
a bizarre experience from someone who's covered other major international events. Oh yeah. I would truly hope that we never have to cover another Olympics the same way, because this was just, again, it was only possible because they made it possible. Mm -hmm. So kudos to them for going ahead with it. And they really did put a clamp on COVID cases after the first week, we barely heard anything. There were some athletes who posted videos to Instagram about their horrible experiences in Side a COVID isolation hotel, and then they got out, and we never heard anything else. And I know Team Canada had 555 people on the ground there, including 125 people who had previously had COVID, and I think maybe a handful had to go into isolation for a while. Nobody had to miss their entire competition. The only athlete, well, that we know of that missed any competition was figure skater Keegan Messing because he tested positive in Vancouver before he was able to get on a plane. So he had a great delay to get on a plane. He missed the uh, team figure skating event, but was able to do the men's short and long programs. So they were quite happy with the way that went for Team Canada. There were other athletes, high-profile athletes, who missed competition. And in fact, some who didn't even get to Beijing because they tested positive late in the day. So there was some of that, and everybody knew there was going to be some of that. But in terms of successfully warding off a super spreader event, they absolutely did that. Turning our attention to how Canada fared at the games, there was a lot of talk about whether we could come close to how we did in South Korea four years ago. Overall, it may have been disappointing to some, depending how you look at the medal standings. Um, Overall, you know, 26 medals, fourth place in the total medal count. Not a bad games for Canada, but perhaps not as great as some people may have hoped. What are your thoughts on how Canada fared overall? Well, I think it's probably going to be 27 medals when the IOC finishes dealing with Russia over the doping test of Camilla Valieva, the figure skater. I suspect that Canada will be elevated from fourth place to bronze position in the figure skating team event, and the Russians will lose a gold. So it'll be 27, but I mean, is that, you know... Two months, two years from now, who knows? It, I, I do believe it will happen, though. So if it's that, if it's 27, I think the only disappointing part for some people is if you went into it thinking Canada was going to win a bunch more gold, they did not do that. And there was, you know, it happens every game where some people that were going to win, you know, a bronze medal get elevated to gold or some people that everybody thought was going to win a gold they finish fifth. It, it just happens on the day, and especially in judge sports like freestyle skiing, half pipe and slope style and big air yeah, and figure skating. Of course, anytime you involve judges, it can get weird. It has the potential to almost be scandalous in some cases. So when I look at timed events, there was some notable, I guess, disappointments. Laurent Dubois, the speed skater, was something like three one-hundredths of a second away from a bronze medal in the 500 meters. And that's an event that he thought he might even win. And I think there was a lot of people who figured he might, Mm -hmm. uh, me included. And then he comes back and he he gets a a medal in the 1,000 meters, which was not his specialty. So good for him for uh, sucking it up and, and coming back with a vengeance on that. There were some short track speed skating results that people will probably be disappointed at. And on the flip side, Charles Hamelin gets to go out with a gold medal in the men's relay. Yeah. You know, after a pretty stellar career. On balance, I think 26 or 27 medals 
is right around, you know, the neighborhood of, of what was realistic. And the way they got there was weird because they got mixed team aerials. They got a mixed ski jumping team medal that nobody in the world would have ever predicted <laughs> and only happened because three uh, powerhouse nations got disqualified for suit violations. So there's that. Yeah. But, you know, nobody will remember how they got that in four years, only that they did get it. And I think that's one that could provide some momentum for the ski jumping team. Ski Jump Canada didn't get any funding from on the podium in this quadrennial simply because they're, you know, they didn't show any medal potential. And then lo and behold, they get a medal. So that will change things going forward for them. There are other national sport organizations that will benefit from a great Olympics like Canada Snowboard. They had six medals. That's their best ever. That'll bode well for them. They'll get more money down the road. Alpine Canada came up with a medal in the Alpine combined that they could have been hoping for, but nobody would have predicted that, I don't think. Mm -hmm. So maybe Alpine Canada gets some momentum. And it's just, that's how these things go. You have the games, you have a period of assessment, and then you start ramping up immediately for the next games. And in four years, will Canada do about the same? Yeah, probably. I think if you look at the way the medals are divided, you know, I think there was something like 25 nations had at least one medal. And it's usually the same 25. <laughs> and at the top, it's usually the same half dozen nations like Norway, Germany, Canada, the U.S., the Russians. They're all in the mix. And I, I suspect four years from now, it will be the same thing. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Now, one of the areas that I think heading into the games that people thought Canada was going to do well at and excel at was on the ice. Obviously, the women's hockey team won gold, but if you look at the other rink, the curling rink, it may not have been as expected an outcome as people would have hoped. We had the mixed team, not medal. We had Jennifer Jones, who's one of the all-time great curlers, not medal. And then the Canadian men the Gushu ring had to, I don't know if settle for bronze is, is the right way to put it, but I think a lot of people kind of had higher hopes for our curling teams going into it. Is it a case of the world is caught up to Canada and curling is a much more competitive sport or are there any disappointments to come out of that for us or things that we can look at and say, well, shoot, what, what do we do here? Well, yeah, I suppose these things tend to uh, produce some navel gazing and especially when it comes to hockey and curling, because there is some weird perception that we're supposed to own these events, even though basically through outreach, we've 
help teach the rest of the world to curl. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that's a bad thing. (laughs) I don't think that one medal out of three events is cause for massive alarm, but some people do. Yeah. And you know, that's because people care about hockey and curling. Like, like they don't do basically in any other country. So do we need a summit, a curling summit to figure out what's wrong? I've already seen that suggestion and that maybe ought to be super teams instead of taking the Jennifer Jones rink, whose members all must play in the province of Manitoba. Maybe you let Jennifer Jones or the next Jennifer Jones, Carrie Anderson or whoever it's going to be, you let them put together a team for an Olympic run that can have members from all across Canada. So you get the best lead, you get the best second and the best third and the best skip that you can find. And they play together as often as they can in a quadrennial and they go to the next Olympics to kick some ass. Mm -hmm. It's certainly worth thinking about. I don't know how that fits into the normal run of things in terms of, you know, whether those teams are able to play in, you know, the Scotties and on the flip side for the men, for the Briar, you know, how do you work those teams into the mix? Maybe you don't, maybe they have to operate outside that. So is it worth investigating? Probably, you know, because if we think it's necessary to win hockey and curling gold every four years, then maybe you have to approach it a little bit differently because those medals have been hard to find of late. So mm-hmm. again, it's those two sports because people care about them a lot. People also care about figure skating and Skate Canada has some serious rebuilding to do. After Pyeongchang, everybody knew that there was going to be a massive dip because almost everybody of import retired. And yeah. now you'll have some more retirements following these games that were uh, I don't know, disappointment. I think it was expected that they would either get one medal from the team event or nothing. And that may well be the way it works out. So they'll need the four years to rebuild around people like Madeline Skizis, the the gutsy little 18-year-old. I think she's 19 now. I think she had a birthday in Beijing. She'll be the most likely women's representative for Canada at the next Olympics. They'll have to rebuild the men's discipline because there's not a lot of top-end depth there. Mm-hmm. Pairs is going to be another one and ice dance too. So when you've got the top teams retiring, there's a whole bunch of uh, stuff to happen there. And if you look at those three sports, you know, that's whatever it is, four or five medals potential in figure skating and two each or two from hockey, three from curling. That's, you know, suddenly if we're back to winning medals all over the place there, that can be uh, a bit of a momentum builder for the rest of the team. I purposely left off my list earlier about curling and hockey, the men's hockey team. I feel like not a knock against the men that we sent to play on our Olympic team, but it wasn't the team that a lot of people hoped that we would see on the ice. And it wasn't necessarily a team that could beat the best players from countries like Finland or Russia or Sweden. I feel like they did as well as we could hope that they would do, but they weren't necessarily a surefire medal winner. Right, but you weren't seeing the best teams from anywhere, mm-hmm. right? Everybody had makeshift teams put together, and the Finns and the Russians and the Swedes just were able to play uh, a little bit better hockey. You know, everybody's best players are in the NHL. Everybody knows that. So when it ever gets back to best on best, and I suspect it may well do that, hopefully there's no more uh, global pandemic problems, and hopefully the NHL finds a way to get its players back to an Olympics I think part of the problem has been that the last two 
we're in uh, Asia and the time difference is not good for television. Mm -hmm. And I think that was certainly a concern for everybody. The next ones are in Italy. It'll be much less of a distraction in terms of when these games can go on NBC and whoever else buys the rights. So I suspect you'll see them in uh, Italy and everybody appreciates the best on best. Overall, how did Canadian officials view these games? What does the COC think? What does Own the Podium think? I believe their phrase was completely satisfied. So (laughs) read into that what you will. Yeah, and I think they were. Because the first event of these games was getting to these games. So as soon as you arrived, you were already 1-0. Because there were a lot of people who weren't able to get past the many, many levels of bureaucracy and medical testing and all that. So... They got 555 people on the ground. They produced 26 or 27 medals. Most of their people were healthy the whole time, but for a handful of people who had to spend some time in isolation. So I think completely satisfied is a a pretty decent way to put that. Everybody, I'm sure, would have liked more than four gold, Mm -hmm. right? Everybody on Team Canada. But again, you just never know these things, and especially when it comes to judged events. So there could have been twice that, you know? And when there's such a minor difference between the gold medalist score or time and the silver medalist, it's just like, you can get hung up on that. But I don't know, if you ask me, you make the podium, bronze is in many cases almost as good as gold. And I know there is a stigma and there's an elevation gold medal winners. They can actually maybe earn some money off of these things. So good for them. But I wouldn't get too terribly wrung out by uh, the fact that there was only four gold and what is it, 14 bronze? Mm-hmm. When you're field in a cross-country race, though Canada didn't win any medals cross-country, but sometimes the field is like 95 people and there's you know that many in an alpine race and you're one of the top three. Not a bad job. You mentioned a couple times we have 26. It could be 27. This all ties to the team figure skating event. Yep. W- what is the issue here and how long could it take before we find out that yes, we did win a 27th medal in the team event? Well, it's a doping issue. So in many cases, those take years. Now, I don't know how this is going to go. It will have to go back. I'm sure if the IOC pushes it and they try to rescind, they haven't actually given the medal. So, I mean, (laughs) that's a complicating effort as well. They haven't awarded the medals to any of the three teams that won. So Russia hasn't gotten theirs, the Americans didn't get their silver, and the Japanese didn't get their bronze yet. Mm -hmm. So the IOC is still in possession of those medals. There will be eventually an effort made to investigate exactly what happened, why the figure skaters' positive test for this heart medication, a medication that's been on the World Anti-Doping Agency's banned list since 2014, how it got into her system, how much there was, and why the Russian anti-doping agency rescinded her suspension in time for her to compete in the game. So this will take, you know, the initial investigation, I don't know, weeks, months, whatever attempts the IOC has to take the medal away will be appealed to the Court of Arbitration for Sport, which has only ruled not on the fact of the positive doping test, but of her eligibility once the suspension was lifted to skate. So the IOC hasn't actually gone as far as it can yet. My guess is this takes more than a year. I can't imagine it gets done 
in 2022. So we'll see. But I've been told by people that should know that this will, in fact, end with Canada in receipt of the bronze medals from that team event. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see if we get another piece of hardware out of Beijing. There you go. Dan, thanks for your time. All right. See ya. 10.3 is produced by Sean Knox. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Dan Barnes. More from him and the rest of our Olympic wrap-up coverage at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.